The Park Diner, serving Lawrence Park and beyond since 1948. Fresh, locally roasted coffee is always on the menu and goes great with a slice of house-made pie any time of day. Yes, even for breakfast. Lunch features Park Diner's original Greek sauce recipe handed down from owner to owner, plus daily soup, sides, and more. Quality food at affordable prices. Served in an authentic Silk City dining car. Experience the classic charm of the Park Diner. Open Tuesday through Sunday, 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Main Street in Lawrence Park. All year round, Frontier Home Products and Design has what you need to make your home comfortable and beautiful. Relax on a new timber tech deck designed by Frontier's experts. A new fireplace from Frontier Home Products Fireplace Gallery adds warmth and serenity to any home. Beauty and versatility at Frontier Home Products and Design Center, 4213 Peachtree, 5th next to the Bayfront Highway. Frontier Home Products and Design Center. Discover a new PA contractor number PA039007. Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. On the line with me is Jim Wirtz. He's the outgoing chairman of the Erie County De- Democratic Party. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Joel. Always uh, look forward to this conversation. All right, let's not bury the lead. Why are you the outgoing <laughs> chairman of the Erie County Democrats? <laughs> <laughs> well, look, it's been a it's been a tremendous uh, run, tremendous five and a half years. I was first elected in uh, in 2018 and and reelected in 2020, um, and uh, you know par- party rules dictate that uh, when you start to uh, explore some other options, that, uh, that you need to make way for somebody who's going to uh, be able to give the party their full attention, and um, and so that's what we're doing this Saturday. The uh, the party will meet for its reorganizational meeting and uh, and select a new chairperson, um, but uh, you know my my time there has been. Uh, you know, tremendously, uh, I, I just feel great about the successes that we've had, about the, the folks that I've had an opportunity to work with uh, and get to know better. Um, and I think the party is in a, a really strong place uh, to make this kind of transition. Uh, and I think we have the as from Tuesday night to uh, to support that. Yeah, you have the receipts. I, I would say you, you have to be gratified given the performance of the Democrats uh, really across the board in many different races. And, and even as you look above Erie County, it was quite a quite a big um, Tuesday night for Democrats across the country. But I got I can't let this go exploring other options Um how much can you tell us about what you're looking at to do on a political level? Well, look, I think, um, you know, a, a lot of folks are, are talking about the fact that, uh, that, that rumor has spread that I'm, I'm potentially uh, interested in a, a challenge to, to Senator Laughlin. You know, he and I have a, a bit of uh, history together. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, really, I think uh, as, as folks have approached me over the last couple of months, uh, and by the way, Republican and Democrat, uh, there have been some folks that just stepped up and said, you know, we, we feel like he's lost his way. We're, he's a guy that, that both Democrats and Republicans put a lot of faith into um, in 2016 and even through the 2020 uh, election. But since 2020, 
uh, it seems like uh, some of the legislative actions he's taken, uh, some of the uh, behaviors that he's exhibited uh, online and off, uh, and uh, and also, you know, we got to go back to that amicus brief mm. in 2020 that he signed uh, in support of uh, the independent state legislature theory, which, if validated by the Supreme Court, um, would have given this legislature the opportunity to overturn future elections. Um, that's not uh, I, I certainly don't believe and uh, and others don't believe that that is a, a perspective that many in Erie County share. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm considering this option. I'm thinking a lot about it, certainly uh, have spent a lot of time and energy thinking about it. And uh, my family and I will continue to to uh, think about this along with uh, some close advisors, um, and uh, we'll make a decision by the end of the year. But regardless of whether or not I decide to run, I think the bottom line is that, uh, you know, in this moment, uh, someone needs to step up and uh, and challenge Dan Lawson, uh, because as those folks have said, uh, he really has kind of lost his way uh, in that long drive between Erie and Harrisburg. It's it's interesting because, the, you know, they, they saw blood in the water four years ago uh, and put Julie Slomsky up uh, on the Democratic side. Really hard fought, hard fought battle uh, in 2020. And um, yet uh, Laughlin's margin uh, over Slomsky was much greater than than the Biden margin over Trump. I mean, it was literally the weirdest thing to see that. That Biden win, and then the Kelly win, and then the Laughlin win in Erie County. Well, let's put that. Let's put a couple of those things into perspective. So we had the very close presidential race here in Erie County. Biden wins by what about a percentage and a half? It Something was about like fourteen hundred yeah. votes. Yep. Um, and uh, and Mike Kelly lost in Erie County uh, in twenty uh, in twenty twenty uh, and in twenty twenty two. There hasn't been. I don't think he's had a challenge in Erie County that he's actually won. Clearly, he wins the district, but not here um, it, where, where we're at. Um, and then there were some issues in that state Senate race that, if you'll recall, really didn't make it out of the primary. Um, mm-hmm. There were some things involving Presque Isle and other right. comments that were made that uh, that really uh, were setbacks to the Democratic campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things certainly all played into Dan Laughlin's favor. But those were also before he, he signed this amicus brief. Look, when you when you line up next to Mike Kelly and uh, and get involved in a lawsuit uh, against the Commonwealth at the at the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, that's taking a pretty strong stand. Now, Dan has publicly said that that he himself was not trying to overturn the 2020 election. Uh, and but the the result of his actions would have been or could have been that uh, if that lawsuit from Texas was successful. Uh, and the bottom line is an amicus brief of any stripe uh, for or against the plaintiffs or neutral, uh, as this one was, uh, are designed to influence the decision of the court. And if the court had ruled in favor of Texas and overturned, uh, the election here in Pennsylvania, it would have undone not only, uh, not only the 2020 election, but, uh, you know, uh, 200 years of, uh, of, of, 
small d democracy. But and again, we can't. We're not going to bury all of our time. We we have we can take a whole show on just this this point here. But the you know the bottom line is is that what's going to be competitive in twenty twenty four. And uh, and yeah, we we wish you well in in whatever your decision making goes with all that because um, because it it's got to be a political. A decision as far as what what you know where's the pathway pathway to victory for a Democrat against uh, someone you know that is pretty you know you know going for his third term is pretty safely ensconced sure. yeah all right so uh, back to Tuesday um, again uh, pretty remarkable wins like uh, you were telling me off air you're saying that maybe some of the 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 uh, the winning margins for controller and judge, those two county-wide races, were historically maybe the biggest uh, for the I, Dems. I, I think so. I have not seen I have not seen evidence of larger victories. Uh, if they, we might have to go back to the history books and really dig through. Perhaps um, you know, back in the uh, in the old days of uh, of party politics. Uh, of machine politics, it's possible that maybe we had some right. wins that big. But in in competitive years like this, in a, in a modern sense, uh, uh, Pete Salas almost ten thousand vote vote margin of victory, and Kyle Faust more than eleven thousand vote margin of victory um, have to be uh, historic. I can't believe that that there are other countywide races that have ever seen that. If you recall uh, Kathy Dahlkemper's last reelection. She won by just 300 votes. That's right. Um, yeah. Even the last yeah. county executive race, you know, Brenton Davis only won by by just over 2,000 votes, and that was seen as a, a large margin in right. a countywide race. Here, Joe Biden won by 1,400 votes. Yeah. Well, in 2019, <laughs> in 2019, Kyle Faust was elected by 33 votes. In 2023, he was reelected by 11,000 votes. I mean, that is uh, that is a, a statistic worth hanging our hat on. I think. And then you add this with with the the overall turnout being over thirty five percent, which according to the the clerk of elections is is more than remarkable. I gotta go and point to the two tier attack of of the Democrats, which is a get out the vote uh, effort, and really the the dominance and finesse that comes with how you how the Democrats manage their mail-in ballot strategy. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think I'll start with the mail ballots, Joel, because, you know, there's a lot of talk about how Democrats use mail ballots. But but listen, the, the real uh, the real positive uh, thing about the mail ballots is that they have expanded the electorate and that's equally right. available to our Republican counterparts. And they have done a terrible job around messaging. Now, I know you're going to have Tom Eddy on in the next uh, half hour, and Tom has been talking for uh, for a couple months, and certainly through this cycle, about how important it is that Republicans start to use the mail ballots. But at the end of the day, if you don't communicate uh, with your voters about your candidates, and you're not able to sell your candidates, and you don't have quality candidates to put forward, it doesn't matter if your voters have mail ballots or not, because they're going to use them to vote for the people that they trust. So, and, uh, so and how so did you guys I, differentiate and communicate about your candidates? That that was so effective, you think? 
Well, I think I think one we we take a because of the mail ballot cycle in the larger window, we take a much longer view on the elections. It used to be that the campaign strategy would dictate that you really got things moving kind of in the last two, three weeks of an election cycle. Um, and we still see, you know, signs popping up on street corners, particularly Republican signs popping up in rights of way and things in, in that time period. But we we communicate with uh, with our uh, our voters, uh, Republican, Democrat, and Independent. We identify folks that we think are going to uh, be open to our message, and we go after them uh, from the end of the primary uh, right through the general election. Uh, and as I was telling you before we came on air, we hit more doors, and these are just the doors that we counted, by the way. Right. We hit more doors in, in 2023 than we did in 2022 during the gubernatorial and U.S. Senate races. So that's an incredible amount of um, of contact with voters. Uh, it's an incredible amount of enthusiasm from our volunteers uh, and committee folks. And I think I, I think you see that enthusiasm and and really driven in many ways uh, by a desire to uphold democracy, small d democracy, mm-hmm. uh, and the rights and freedoms of individuals um, that the other side claims to be so concerned about. Well, Democrats are winning on the message of actually being able to defend those things. And and, um, and I, I think it's something that we can be incredibly proud of. And if this uh, if this trend holds, uh, it's something that we'll be successful with for a long time. And by the way, it, it has moved up and down the ballot. It used to be the top of the ticket that got to talk about these issues, these major issues. But now we have it emanating in our school board races and our borough council races as well. Democrats picked up two seats in Girard Borough Council. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, these are some very red areas where um, where we have not historically had a lot of success. And I would say even the race that we lost in County Council District 7, yeah. um, uh, we have not had a Democrat who, who overperformed the way that Lori Dolan did um, in quite some time. And so for her to lose by only 1,000 votes uh, against Ellen Showerman, and especially with a third-party candidate in, the, in that race, I think was an incredible turnout and speaks an awful lot about uh, the way the electorate is looking at candidates versus parties these days. Is there is there a um, you're talking about doors knocked and again that's super old fashioned street level type of of campaigning. But isn't there a whole digital approach to this thing? I mean, uh, you know, are you able to use the kind of the new technology tools to make it happen? Uh, look, I think it, I think it's all part of the equation. I think you have to use all of the tools that are available at your disposal. Um, I, I'll point to you know I, number one. I think the fundamentals are still the fundamentals. Uh, retail politics. If you can talk to voters hand to hand, elbow to elbow, knee to knee. I still think that's the best way to to win a race, and particularly in a place like Erie County. Um, but the digital tools can be effective in communicating the message if you have. Uh, uh, enough money and, and the right kind of message to reach reach people. I will say, uh, notably, the one the one race near the top of the ticket that uh, that Democrats did not win in Erie County, but did win statewide, was that Supreme Court race. Yeah, Dan, Dan McCaffrey, a great candidate and a far superior candidate to Carolyn Carluccio. Uh, one statewide, and that race was called very early. We expected that race to be much closer statewide. Mm-hmm. But here in Erie County, Dan lost by 500 votes because uh, because those folks, the, because the Republicans spent uh, literally 
hundreds of thousands of dollars here in Erie County and much of it on digital advertising, trying to promote a message to uh, to to sow dis, uh, distrust in Dan McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, and and while well, well, we we could break apart that message in one of my media classes, I think, <laughs> uh, I think it was I think I think for a certain segment of the electorate. And and by the way, a, a segment of the electorate that voted for all of our other Democratic candidates, okay. they did not uh, they didn't commit to Dan McCaffrey in that race. And but there was a large melt there too. So some folks just chose to leave it empty if they couldn't uh, couldn't uh, stomach voting for either candidate. Take a second and weigh in on this conversation I had with Jesri Friend as we were unpacking the the results. This idea of you know what we love you, super voters. But we really need to concentrate on the low propensity voter uh, with the mail-ins, with the consistent messaging and, and you know, and and the targeting of of maybe 13 to 15,000 voters, maybe 10 percent of the registration that, you know, you can move a needle on. Sure. I Look, I think the you know, we're, we're talking now about. Uh, I think we need to separate the low propensity voter from uh, from the intended voter who just sometimes couldn't get to the polls. Okay, right. Sure. I think there are I think that I think there are more people out there. I would think we took for granted for many years uh, how many people were out there who wanted to vote, who wanted to participate in the process and for any number of reasons had trouble getting to the polls on Election Day. The mail ballot has solved that problem, mm-hmm. right? So if you are if you are a parent uh, who works uh, who works two jobs and has to shuttle a kid from uh, daycare to grandma's in between your first and second job, you probably are not thinking a whole heck of a lot about when you're going to carve out. 15 minutes to get to the polls. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think, and, and I think that's a very common issue in our community and it's one we don't pay enough attention to. Um, but in situations like that, in situations where people might have medical issues or, or, uh, or transportation issues, and certainly there have always been uh, options for those folks to get a ballot, but the no excuse mail ballot takes the doctor's note out of the equation. You know, the no excuse mail ballot takes the reason for having it delivered to your house or somewhere else out out of the equation. Um, And so now those folks have an opportunity. And and quite frankly, I'm I'm proud of that fact. I think that that the more we can do to expand the electorate and give people access to the ballot box, uh, the the better off this community and the and the Commonwealth at large is going to be. The outgoing Democratic chair, Jim Wirtz, is on the line with us here on Talk Erie. I got to ask you about uh, the county council races. You already mentioned District 7, um, but now you have, uh, with, the, with the win of Chris Drexel over Brian Shank in District 5, you have a 5-2 to two majority Democrats versus Republicans. First off, let's talk about that District 5 race. Uh, a lot of outside money, democracy, um, you know, somebody, first. democracy, democracy first. first out of out of D.C., over 100 grand spent. Uh, was that good money after good or bad? I guess it, <laughs> guess it worked, I that, huh? I, well, look, I, I think their, I think their uh, intent was good. It's important to note for your audience that Democracy First invested in a lot of Republican candidates across Pennsylvania, too. Their mission was to uh, 
was to look at and target candidates that they thought might be problematic if they were serving on election boards next year in 2024. And that's how they targeted those folks. Brian Schenck was number one on their list. Uh, And so they were they were committed to making that uh, making that investment here in Erie County, uh, regardless of who the candidate was. And, you know, um, it's so funny, Jim. Well, what's so funny is that here I am sitting in the east side of Erie and I didn't see one of their digital ads or their TV ads. It was so targeted to District 5. And, you know, and I guess it was on a channel that I don't watch, but. That, a big, well, go ahead. You know, yeah. with, it, it, no, I, I think I, I was just about to to say that, that that a lot of that money. Now, certainly there were a lot of mailers that flew in that race, mm-hmm. um, but there was um, uh, there was a, a lot of money spent on digital advertising because that digital advertising allows you to target someone to their front door. Yeah. So if you know who the, do- the 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 voters are that you want to communicate with. Uh, you can do that directly with digital advertising, and, and with cable advertising, you can uh, you can narrow down an area, right? Sure. So I didn't see any of those ads either. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was I was deeply involved. I was deeply involved in that. Someone sent me a text message two days ago and says, "Wow, those ads really worked <laughs> and, uh, in District Five." And I said, I, "I didn't actually even see those advertisements because I I don't live there either." So and so, so he was, was he uh, was so so Shank was number one on their list, and they they. They put the investment in. What do you think the five to two is going to do? Because, you know, you guys censured Jim Winarski for voting too much with the with the Republicans on county council. Well, let me let me clarify. Let me clarify that. That was not about policy related votes. That was about the two votes that he made uh, in leadership decisions to put Brian Shank into the council chairperson's position. Um, You know, when you have a majority of seats on council number one you you know more often than not you have some obligation to support the other members of uh of your party but that doesn't always happen and it's not always necessary but i think you have an obligation regardless of party affiliation to make sure that uh, a council person like that uh is not in a leadership position all right and uh and it was so yeah i'm down to my last 90 seconds it was so clear yeah, you got it. So 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 I think uh, so. So I think uh, Democrats have a functional four vote majority no yeah. matter what. And, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Councilman uh, uh, join that majority uh, in some future decision making going forward. And the county executive committed to me that he's willing to work with whoever or, or whatever the makeup of the council is. All right. What what race do you think is just kind of a superstar a Democrat win on Tuesday night. Well, look, I, I, I'm going to give it to our three ca- county council candidates um, and uh, and Pete Sala. I yeah. think Pete Sala was the star of the night. He, he's the he's the the prince of the ball uh, from Tuesday night, and and he drew a lot of bipartisan support. There were Republicans, Democrats out for him mm-hmm. since the very beginning, um, and and I think we need more candidates like Pete who can help bring people together and talk about these issues. Uh, do you think that um, that we're working through this kind of, you know, this kind of uh, uh, cohort that's kind of in the Bagnoni-Tulio era and cohort that's in the Erie United era? Are the Democrats uh, able to just kind of figure all that out? 
Well, look, I think I think every every political party is a bit like a, like a dysfunctional family. Yeah. Uh, but what we need, what 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 we need, what I think the Democrats are doing right, regardless of of how how they are factionalized, is that they're focusing on policy in all the right areas, and they're they're making decisions that the electorate, that the vast majority of Americans and the vast majority of Erieites agree with, and we saw that on Tuesday night. One sentence: Does Susanna Faulkner get, uh, keep uh, two more years with a with a, a council vote on city? I think that might be a I think that might be a tough sell in the appointment. Okay, okay. Given, right. given the makeup, given the makeup of council uh, as it now sits. All righty, Jim Wirtz, I appreciate you taking the time, sir. Thanks so much for being with us. All right, Joel. Thank you. We're continuing our conversations with uh, the uh, heads of the of the parties here. We talked to the Democrats. Now let's talk to the Republicans. Tom Eddy is the chairman of the Erie County Republican Party. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for calling in and being a part of the show. Well, thank you for having me. Um, you know, I, I really like to say that shows like yours are really important to the community because you provide an opportunity for the people to hear different views and also find out the facts uh, dealing with, in this case, elections. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I appreciate that. Um, let's let's get to, right to, uh, let's not bury the lead, let's get right to the big story, in my opinion. Is the differential uh, between mail-in ballots from Democrats to mail-in ballots by Republicans, 16,866 requested Democrat voters, 13,837 voted, that's like 75% of the mail-ins were from Democrats. Uh, 46, 48 vote, uh, Republican voters requested. 34, 92 came back. And I guess that's around, that's around 20%. And so um, basically almost a four-to-one ratio of mail-ins, uh, Democrats to Republicans. Do you think that that could be the key of... Um, of why some of you know why some of the candidates didn't do as well as as, as they maybe could have. I believe that is the key. Uh, personally, I think that with regard to the Republican candidates, we all had good candidates, and, and I'm not saying that the Democrats didn't either. But I thought our candidates were were qualified and were good candidates and campaigned hard. But when you take, if I can take an example like Wade Root, who was running for county controller, young, energetic, uh, good background in economics and business, you know, he won at the polls for the right. people showing up at the polls. On, but he lost by 10,000 votes on the mail-ins. Yep. And when you talk about maybe, I think there were 60, 60 plus thousand people that voted uh, on Tuesday. That's hard to make up 10,000 votes within 60,000 votes total. And, and yes, I will agree that is what hurt us. And but to be honest, we we knew that going in. I mean, this year we tried to focus on getting more of our people to recognize that voting by mail is safe, especially here in Erie County. I won't say about other places, but I will say that I spent um, from seven o'clock in the morning uh, on Election Day until 1130 at night at the um, election office and watched the whole procedure of them counting, opening, and taking care of the vote. And I'll tell you, those people, along with the volunteers, did an exceptional job. And there's so many safeguards to try to make sure that uh, the vote is counted accurately and correctly and, and eliminate any fraud that possibly could be there. 
So I think the people of Erie County should be very confident that if they choose to vote by mail, that their vote will get counted and get counted accurately. Yeah, and, um, and I think that's I think that's the issue, though, Tom. Right? Is that you're dealing with this basic foundational question of whether mail-in ballots are safe and valid, whereas the Democrats have already jumped through that hoop and saying, let's use the mail-in ballots in a strategic manner of of, of pinpointing the uh, a part of the electorate that maybe for what for one reason or another just, uh, you know, or haphazard in getting to the polls, or maybe they're not that interested in the municipal races. And if you can make an argument to activate them through the mail-ins, but boy, that's got to start a lot earlier in the election cycle, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, when mail-in ballots first came on the scene about three years ago, uh, you're right. I mean, a lot of the Candidates were against mail-in ballots on the Republican side. You know, it's not the way to do things. You know, we always vote in person and that. And then there were some issues with the 2020 election, and people became discouraged on the Republican side and thought, well, you know, this is just a way of uh, fraud. And it's hard to overturn that perception. Uh, when when Donald Trump was here this past summer for the uh, rally he did down in in the city yeah i was outside for probably eight hours and wow. all the people that were there about ten thousand and i was pushing mail-in ballots and almost all the time people would look at me so well, i don't want to do that that's that, that it's not it's not correct it's it's a way of um, fraud and all that and so there was this perception and it's still there unfortunately that it's not the right way to vote mm. and my idea is basically this, you know, if I go back into the 60s and the 50s, 1960s, 1950s, our society was a whole lot different back then than it is today. You know, now today you've got both parents working, you've got kids involved in all these activities. You know, I'll look at a mom, for instance, and I'll say to her now, if your child gets sick, what are you going to do? Are you going to stay home with the child on election day or are you going to go vote? And every one of them will say, I'll stay home. And so I try to look at them and say, look, in today's society, the way the family structure is, the mail-in ballot is is very convenient because you can still vote in person because you can take that ballot with you, give it to the people at the polling place, and you get the, you get a ballot. Yeah. But if something's coming up, whether it's you have to work overtime, whether your child's sick or there's some type of activity your child has to be in or you have to be someplace, it provides you an opportunity to exercise your constitutional right. And every person should realize that that vote is so important because it's an ability of them to be able to try to pick somebody that will represent them the way they want them to be represented. So, I mean, I'm all in for uh, mail-in ballots. Uh, this year, the Republican Party, we tried to push mail-in ballots. In fact, in Erie County, we were uh, – I got a phone call a couple weeks ago, and they said that uh, we were the second highest county within the state of increasing the percentage of Republicans requesting mail-in ballots. Is that right? But okay. It, it's not, yeah, but it's not enough. You know, yeah. when again, as I mentioned about uh, just Mr. Root, you know, mm -hmm. he was down when the polls opened, he was down 10,000 votes. Mm -hmm. And when you're when there's only well, it was what 35 percent of the populace registered voters voted on Tuesday. And when it's like 60,000, well, if you're down 10,000, it's very difficult to make up them, those numbers in that small amount of people. And it, so the, the, the mail-in ballots are really cr critical because there's a lot of people that 
it's only a 13-hour window, and there's a lot of people that just can't make that window. Myself, I voted by mail, and it's because the day before, I had to be at jury duty. And when I was sitting there at jury duty, they were saying, well, this trial is going to go for two more days, which meant election day. And that would have been very difficult to get to the polling place because I had a commitment that I had to had to go to. And uh, so and everybody has those type of commitments, but you don't know them back in October. Yeah. It's they usually show up in late October or something before the first week in November. And that's why a mail in ballot may be beneficial. Let, let's talk about some of these specific races. You mentioned the controller race. I want to bring up the judge race. I, I, I thought that uh, both candidates ran very good campaigns. Eric Mikovich really getting his name out. Uh, again, his first uh, try. Pete Sala, you know, he had already tried once. He was on his second try. Uh, again, we have a... Unless your name is Ridge, we have kind of a propensity around here to make our judge candidates go through a couple cycles before they get elected. Uh, do you think uh, – the... go ahead. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. You know, the one thing I will say about the race, first of all, I thought Eric Mikovich, obviously he was my man. I thought he was a person of very tremendous character, yes. and I could tell you why, but that will take a lot of time. But I thought both candidates, and I will say this about Pete Sala as well, they ran positive campaigns. Yep. They talked about themselves. They talked about what they wanted to do. And I, I you know, and I like that. That personally, that's what I like to see. I like to see positive campaigns. Tell me what you are about. And, and that's what to me is important. I don't want somebody telling me what the other guys like. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it tells me if they don't like that other guy, it must be something good about him. Um, but I thought both of them ran a good pan- campaign. Again, this was Eric's first time. And I'm sure he's disappointed, but I, you know, again, Eric won at the polls, yep. of course, but that doesn't matter. It's a matter of total votes with regard to mail-in, absentee, and veterans' votes. But he did a great job, and he should not hang his head at all. He mm. should be very proud. And I say this to everybody. I say that you know, it takes a special person and a quality person to run for office because it takes a lot of time, and you know that it's either going to be a win or a loss. There's no ties in these games. Yep. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't want to put the time in, uh, sacrifice in terms of financially and things like that to be able to run for these offices. And But these offices are important to the community. Uh, Tom Eddy's our guest. He's the Republican chair for Erie County here. Let's talk about county council. Uh, a significant change. We went from a, a 4-3 Democrat split uh, to a 5-2 with the with the big loss of the incumbent Brian Shank in District Five, um, first off, let's go through the districts because you know Terry Scatella. This was the first time he was actually running for the seat in District One, and uh, Cody Faust gave you know gave him a good college try, but it ended up being about nineteen hundred votes short there. Uh, do you, yeah, I mean, I what think, do you think? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Cody, like you said, I think Cody again. This was his first time in in the pit, you might say, and I I really think he did a good job. I know he was out there trying to talk to the constituents, going door to door, and I, you know I I had a good feeling about Cody, um, not because I had a bad feeling about Terry, but it's I just felt you know here's a young person again, and I you know to me I, I'm kind of looking at the electorate and I'm thinking maybe they're getting tired of us old people and they want some <laughs> young blood in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
Well, and, yeah. Uh, but I, yeah. you know, I give him, again, I give him credit. He, you know, he, he put on a good try. I mean, okay, he lost by about 1,900 votes. But then again, that was still pretty good. And I hope that he doesn't uh, uh, get a lot of bad feelings and says, well, I'm out of this for good. Because I think he could do it. I really think he could do it in the future. And, and he now has the experience and knows what it takes to try to try to win one of these races. So with District 1 being kind of Mill Creek, uh, mostly Mill Creek, pretty purple, uh, District 3 is pretty blue, being mostly the city. And uh, and Kim yeah. Hunter had an up, uh, uphill battle, but, uh, you know, kind of was, was down 2,100 votes. But she worked hard, and Rock Copeland, you know, solid count campaign on his part, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that 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 was a district. Uh, you know, you hope that Kim would have pulled maybe an upset, and yeah. and uh, we had our fingers crossed. And uh, and I know Kim really went out there and, and and again, just like anybody else, worked hard. And I'm sure she's disappointed, um, but I'm not disappointed in what she did. I think she, what she did was really uh, positive, and uh, just didn't didn't work out. But again, it's it's the mail-ins that really did yeah. it. She was down 1,500 votes. And, you know, it's just hurt. That hurts. You, it's just such a deficit to make up, especially when you talk about it's just a small district yep. within Erie County. It's not all of Erie County. So you've got a lot less votes to pull from. Yeah, District 5 is the, was the, the big one. A lot of money spent from outside groups uh, to, to bring yep. down Brian Shank. Brian Shank actually performed quite well on the in-person vote. Yet again, just destroyed in the mail-ins by a, a you know twenty-seven forty-three versus six seventy-five. I mean, wow! Yeah. And uh, and it was a nail biter, six hundred and uh, and uh, what was it, six hundred seventy votes or so uh, was all yeah, the difference. Yeah, it was a. I mean, it was a. It, it was a close race. This is the race that upsets me the most, is because first of all, I, Brian is was an incumbent, yeah. and Brian was chair of the county. Council, and in order to be chair of the county council, he had to have Democrats vote for him. Mm -hmm. So there were people on both sides of the aisle that felt that Brian had the quality and and to be able to lead the council in a positive way. The thing that upset me most about this was the amount of money that came in from outside the state for his opponent. I mean, I've got numbers here close to seventy thousand dollars, and then they made ads. It came from this pack called the Democratic First Pack. Yeah. And they made ads that insinuated that Brian was at January 6th. I mean, they put a picture of him in front of the Capitol building, and it was it was fabricated. It was wrong. And, and, and they put on other ads that pretty much all the information was completely fabricated. And that, to me, unfortunately, Brian didn't have the money to counter that. And so you've got to – and I, I don't want to be too negative, but you've got a candidate here that, that won based on trying to – disqualify his 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 opponent with negative and false facts and but, unfortunately but, but, the, wait a the, second um, tom wait a second tom because uh, if it, it what's good for the goose is good for the gander is there not uh, you know conservative packs that are out there that could shore up a candidate like that well, I wish there was, but I haven't been able to find them yet. <laughs> and uh, I don't know where I don't know where all this money's coming from. You know, that'd be nice to know. I, I can see some addresses in that, but I'm I'm not saying that that Republicans don't do that. But I know here in Erie County, we don't have that kind of money to be able to give a candidate so that he can fight back against that. And that was Brian's weakness. He just didn't have the resources to be able to say, "Hey, wait a minute, this stuff isn't true." 
and you're getting a false impression of me. And um, so I, you know, I, I felt bad for Brian because I felt Brian was really truly qualified for that job and had done a good job for his district for the years that he was on county council. But unfortunately, you know, sometimes I guess money talks. And I talked to a, a, a political pundit in that, this guy that he helps to run other campaigns in that. And his big thing is you got to go negative. And I says, you know, I, I really, I, I like, I like going back to the Sela Mikovich, you know, because yeah, they weren't yeah. negative. They talked about their positive sides. And I really wish that that's where we would be headed more often. Um, and unfortunately, sometimes that doesn't happen. Uh, let's go to district seven because, uh, you know, all night I was watching Dolan, you know, hold this lead, uh, you know, again, based on the mail-ins, although the mail-in uh, discrepancy out in District 7 was only about 1,000 votes compared to, like, uh, with the Drexel Shank was over 2,000, right? But, um, Correct. But, but it, it, it took it, it took till the, you know, till those last co- few precincts to come in, and then Alan Sherman uh, definitely made the move and won by uh, over 1,000 votes over Lorraine Dolan and really Rita Bishop getting about 11 percent of the of the um, of the election results uh, of the votes uh, as, as I don't know. I don't want to call her a spoiler, but uh, but certainly, you know, a significant draw there. Uh, you, know, you know, you don't know which way those votes were going to go for right, her. Right. But then again, if I mean, if they went the other way. Uh, we're looking at almost a tied race. You know? Exactly. But uh, and, and the same thing. I I was when I was at the um, courthouse that night uh, when they were bringing out the results. They let's say twenty precincts come in. There's 149 precincts in Erie County, so they'd bring out and post what the first 20, then it was 40, then it was 60. Yep. And I, I saw the same thing. You know, Ellen was behind, and I thought, oh boy, this is going to be tough. You know, because you don't know what precincts they're posting. It's just numbers. Yeah. And but I was happy for Ellen. Um, you know, I think Ellen does a good job. I think Ellen just retired. I probably shouldn't say that. But yeah. so she's probably anxious to spend a little bit more time on the, on, on the on county council. council now. She kind of took yeah. a, uh, she kind of took a lick in out there as far as her vote for the Pleasant Ridge um, uh, situation with the county executive in, in the economic development. Now, she ended up pooling it. They tabled the the whole transfer of that land seven to zero. Right. But uh, right. people yeah. pi- people pinned on her as as her being some kind of um, uh, deficient in representing the, you know, the electorate in West County. Uh, my opinion, honestly, is, uh, you know, you got to do economic development somewhere. Uh, being on a on a U.S. highway uh, adjacent to, uh, you know, other heavy industry out there isn't a terrible place to be. But uh, that's just my opinion. Anyway, <laughs> well, I, I, go ahead. You know, I kind of agree with you a little bit. I mean, I, yeah. I don't live far from that little plot of land, but uh, people were upset. And I know Ellen and I had talked about that when she had made that initial vote. But then I give Ellen credit because they had some meetings in Gerard, <clears throat> excuse me, in Gerard and Fairview, 
And after those meetings, with the people coming out and expressing their discontent with uh, what they were about to do, she changed their vote. And, you know, yeah. that's what it's all about. If you're if you're an elected official, you've got to sit and listen to what your constituents want. Mm-hmm. And if they – I understand that the, the, the official, you know, they might have a little bit more information with regard to this development and that, but it all comes down to what the people want. And if you represent those people, you'll get reelected. And so maybe the fact that she was willing to change her vote and they tabled that, um, it may have helped her. I, I can't say I'm not the person in the polling booth that's pulling the trigger, but uh, I think it may have helped her. You know, uh, uh, you know, I know we kind of pointed out some of the some of the losses for the for the Republicans, but there were a lot of uh, a lot of steady um you know, steady wins. You know, we think about places like um, <clears throat> Mill Creek Township, for example. Jim Bach, uh, you know, fending off a, a challenger uh, for township supervisor. Uh, you know, uh, over Sam Comfort again, a close race. A, basically, because of Malins, Jim uh, Jim Bach dominating on in person votes and, and uh, pulling out the win uh, at about four hundred. Well, yeah. Uh, what are we talking about? Five hundred and forty yeah. votes there. So pretty close when you think about how big Mill Creek is. Um, but um, getting the win. Well, Mill there. Creek's kind of the way I look at Mill Creek as well. Is Mill Creek still kind of a purple area? You know? Oh, sure is. Um, yeah, it really is. And and there are other. You know, the further you get away from the city, the further mm-hmm. south and west. You know, it turns a little more red, and you know, and that, like in Ellen's case, obviously that helped her. Sure. Um, Harbor but, Creek, you know, you, you have Dean Pepicello, you know, wins it in the primary. You know, gets both nominations. You know, as the Republican. So I mean, there's there's a lot of you know green green spots, some you know solid spots for for the GOP there. You know. Yes, there is, and you know. Like you said before, this is like a midterm election, and the problem with midterm elections is people don't see it as important, and so they don't turn out sometimes. And I always try to tell the electorate, when I talk to people, I say, look, these these local midterm elections mean more to you immediately than national elections. Because, for instance, let's say school boards. School boards raise taxes whenever they want. And if you get people in there that are willing just to willy nilly raise taxes, it's going to hit you every year. I mean, I live in Fairview and I see my taxes go up all the time. And uh, so those those kind of races or county council. I mean, I'm now I'm looking at county council. and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what's going to happen now? Because we went from that four, three to five, two. Does that mean now that we're going to bring the, uh, for instance, the. Oh, the college, the community college. Yeah, is it right. going to now come under the taxpayer? And is the taxpayer now going to be responsible for funding that operation or, you know, or other things that may happen yeah. in raising taxes? So those votes mean a heck of a lot when it comes down to how it will impact you in a very near future. And so these local races are extremely important, and I wish people would realize that. You know, you elect a president, whoever it may be. Right. Um, it's going to take a while for them to implement any type of measure that's going to really impact you. But school boards, county council, township supervisors, people like that, they can make a decision that can change your life very quickly. We're going to leave it there. Tom Eddy, the Republican chair uh, for Erie County, thank you so much for taking the time today, Tom. 
Well, I thank you, and I appreciate everything you do to try to uh, inform the public. That's what's really important. Thanks so much. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. 